0: This is your coffee break. Hey, Sarah. Hi. How are you doing?
1: Doing awesome. I'm. I'm kind of like scrambling here. You could probably see my. I'm going to Mexico in like two days, and Dude. I. Dude have not planned at all. And <laughs> like, I need to get my stuff in order.
0: <laughs> well, we'll keep this short. I won't uh, keep too much demand on your time here. And what are you going to Mexico for?
1: I'm going with this organization called Journey to Journey. They do five day trips throughout Latin America. We're building a school for two days and then going up to this like beautiful, like little place in the mountains to just kind of hike, do yoga, explore. And um, so I'm going two days early just to do some solo exploring. I'm excited because also I could see myself potentially being an ambassador and leading trips in the future. <laughs>
0: so do do you have like a day job right now or or do you mostly do like the writing, blogging, helping others kind of thing?
1: Yeah. Well, right now I'm sort of in a transition. Um, I had a couple of restaurant jobs and I was doing some other work. And then with my book launch, I just, it was too crazy. Uh-huh. Um, and now I'm I'm doing a lot of my own stuff, but like I'm looking to move out. I'm still living with my dad right now. And so I'm going to be working actually for another author starting in January. You know Jake Ducey?
0: No, but that sounds amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I'll do that. Probably have to get a restaurant job too. And then I'm going to hustle my stuff on the side. So
0: I know that a lot of writers that I talk to kind of do what you do. They, like you said, hustle on the side, but then like during the day, they work restaurant jobs, they work uh, desk jobs, they do things that they don't really love. What keeps you going?
1: Well, I think it's important to love the the aspect of writing. Like, if you're at a point where you are not enjoying it, I think that can be an issue. For me, you know, I, I've been writing a blog post every Wednesday for over a year now. And there are certainly Tuesdays where I sit at my computer and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to write about? But every time, same thing, I get into that flow and I'm so happy I did it. So... I think it's just finding the balance of creating the time to do the thing that you love. And I think if you give it enough space and put yourself out there and just work hard, I believe that passion or side hustle can become your full-time gig. I'm personally not there yet, but I, I do love the process. And yeah, I think it's just about finding that balance for yourself where you can enjoy it, not make it a pain and also keep up with your other stuff.
0: I'm so interested in your blog, I noticed one of the things you sent over was why I blog every week, even though I don't feel like it. Can you tell me more about what your blog does for you as a writer?
1: Yeah, well, there's this this quote by Flannery O'Connor, and I hope I don't misconstrue it, but it's like, I don't know what I think until I write or something yes. to that effect. And I'm the type of person where writing for me helps me get so much clarity. It helps me like see my own thoughts and so. I always love the process of creating whatever it is, turning my thoughts and articulating these sometimes complicated topics so someone else can get to that aha moment. It's my favorite thing as a reader, and it's what I love to provide other people with. So I kind of made the decision when I launched my blog that I was going to just do it every Wednesday, and I'm kind of weird in the sense that like, if I say something, I'm going to make sure I do it. Yeah, I, I've stuck with it, and just it's kind of made it's, – it's a habit. After two to three months, it was something where – unconsciously on a Sunday or Monday I'm already thinking about ideas Tuesday comes and I don't have something it's like okay I have two hours blocked out on my Tuesday where I have to get this done
0: what do you write about when you don't know what to write about
1: that's a great question oftentimes I'll read like other bloggers so I get ideas some of my favorite bloggers are Mark Manson I really love Chris Gillibo's blog and sometimes I'll just browse like on medium and just mm-hmm. see other people. And, and sometimes like that was my most recent blog, I saw something and I, it was something about uncomfortable truth. And so I took my own spin. And that's what my blog post will be about Wednesday, because um, I already wrote that one. But some days, it's literally I just have no idea. Other days, it's like something happened in my own life. A lot of times, I'll, almost all the time, I'm writing about what's going on in my own life, because I feel like that's trying to keep it relevant. And for the reader's sake, like I want them to know that I, I don't tell them, not that I'm telling them what to do, but like I like to share what works for me and what isn't working.
0: How do you get readers for your blog? I know that I have a lot of people who blog listening to this, and I'm sure that that's the question that they're wondering right now.
1: I don't have that many readers, and I'm actually at a point now after over a year of this everyday blogging where I'm now I'm working with a friend who does SEO and digital marketing I could say now that um, if you are serious about gaining it, you know, creating a lead magnet and collecting the emails and trying to provide content. But for me, guest blogging has helped. So I've done a couple guest blogging for Medium, Psychology Today, the Goodman Project. So reaching out to publications that you feel like your message could resonate and pitching the publisher or whoever's responsible for that column, making sure you're researching the right one and essentially giving them something on like a silver platter. Yeah, I think it's just, The consistency, you know, people, I think, like the consistency. And if you're writing about something that they like, if you're writing about cats and trying to write to entrepreneurs, it probably isn't going (laughs) to work. So just making sure you're finding your right audience, too.
0: So is there a tie between your blog and the book that you're publishing or that you have just published?
1: You know, there are definitely a lot of I wouldn't say a tie in the sense that they're related, but I mean, my book is it's like a modern day Into the wild with a happy ending. Oh, okay. It's like young dude version of Eat, Pray, Love. So it's a memoir. But in that book, I explore a lot of like universal truths and just things. I'm, it's a journey of self-discovery. So I think a lot of my blog posts, like I'm fascinated about just like human behavior and, and personal development stuff. So I find some of the universal messages in the book will definitely relate with some of the concepts that I dive into on my blog.
0: That's interesting. And I heard you say in there, you wrote a memoir, but it also digs into other people's psychology, which I think is interesting, because usually when one writes a memoir, one thinks of like, oh, me, me, me. But it sounds like maybe you're reaching out and exploring what other people see and think.
1: You know, I was 18 years old traveling solo through Central America. I met just people who had these life stories. Like, you know, when you're 18, unless you have a certain upbringing where you have the, you know, your military family or you're traveling, like, I just kind of knew what I knew and hearing this guy who like lived in the jungle to uh, living with a guy who spent eight years in the hostage raid and recovery, um, special forces unit in Afghanistan and Iraq, like sharing his story to me and the lessons he learned was so powerful. So I, I just think that I had to share these people's stories.
0: Is that kind of what drove you to write the memoir in the first place was these other people's stories?
1: It actually was because of my own transformation my my journey, my book begins three days after I get to Ohio State where I was a seventeen year old starting college. I broke out in hives and rashes, like all over my legs and arms. And almost every day I was breaking out. I had no idea why. I saw doctors, immunologists, had the pills, creams, test tubes, the whole nine yards and they didn't know what was up. So they diagnosed me with chronic urticaria, which is like Yeah, <laughs> it's which like is a fancy gonna... name for saying, Your skin's freaking out and we don't know why. And so during that time, I was really depressed. I'd never gone through like a depression like that. And I was severely anxious. I'd never really struggled with anxiety, but it was like this hyper, like I felt like I had a ball in my throat almost at all times that would like, you know, I would cry sometimes and like, you know, of course, hide it from everyone. No one knew that I was really struggling, but it was a rough time for me. And that was like, you know, five, six month period. When I eventually made the leap of faith after like sleepless nights, I actually... I made a decision the first semester that I was going to leave school, and I got so scared to leave the common path and travel that I uncancelled everything like a couple days before the semester and came back for the second semester. Ohio State won the national championship football game the night I was back, and I was like, okay, I'm the only one here who's unhappy. Everyone around me is happy. I was like, what's wrong? I felt one of the hardest days ever for me was that the day after they won, I was really not in a good state, and so then I came home. And when I was traveling, so just kind of fast forward, I guess, about two months into my trip, like my skin was not breaking out. So my skin had essentially healed, although I had a lot of like acne, which was stress related, actually. But I was at this sense of inner peace and joy that I could not believe in just a couple of months after I took the leap of faith that I was experiencing and in the experience that I've been having. So after two months, I knew I had to write this book because witnessing my own transformation from truly the lowest place that I've ever been, I feel like my story is just a metaphor for having the courage to listen to your inner voice and take that leap. And if I could share my story and make it entertaining, of course, like take this reader on the journey through Central America, it could really help someone else take their leap.
0: What made you choose Central America?
1: I looked at a couple places I was looking at Southeast Asia, I was looking at Central America, and I was on this site called Workaway. Have you ever heard of Workaway? It's kind of like a woofing type thing where you link up with volunteers and hosts from around the world can link up and you like create a page. The military guy, he was living in this small town in the north of Guatemala, and his profile read, whatever your skill set may be, the people up the 10 need your help. And I was like, yes, I'm 18, I have no professional skills, <laughs> but I wanted to make a difference anyway any way I could, so I just reached out to him. The description there, there was like a local family living there that I essentially became my family. Um, I wanted to be in a town where there was like no English speakers. Like I really wanted the full immersion. I wanted to be in a developing country. So Guatemala kind of fit those things. And then also I played soccer my whole life. And this was kind of a plus, like Latin America soccer. is almost like a, a universal language. It definitely was for me when I couldn't speak Spanish in the beginning. So,
0: This is so interesting. You talk about wanting to do this out of wanting to help others, like you wanted to help other people. Where does that come from for you?
1: You know, that's interesting. I think a lot of it stems from just kind of empathy, maybe you could say. I remember when I was 12 years old, I watched the movie Blood Diamond. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen Blood Diamond. And I got like really disturbed by the reality of child soldiers. Like I didn't know that was real. And I remember I ended up doing this project I was a soccer player. So I did like soccer stuff to this village in Kenya. They weren't child soldiers, but like something about Africa like spoke to me. I was 12. I didn't really know. I think growing up, you know, my, my parents instilled in me the importance of having a worldview and understanding how other people lived. And I think the biggest one for me was, you know, in the book, I talked about the relationship I have with my dad, you know, we're really close, but I watched him grow up in a job that he really disliked. And, you know, he was doing everything he could to provide our family with amazing things. And, you know, one day he just came home and kind of just didn't wasn't at his job. And this was like a while ago. And then my parents eventually, you know, went different ways. But for me, just seeing what happened when someone doesn't consciously think about their job or have the courage to pursue something that fulfills them, I see the pain that that can create. And I just want other people to awaken to the gifts within them and have the courage to pursue it because It's the process for me over the product at the end of the day.
0: I love that. I love that you do that. I love that you are driven. It sounds like driven to do this. There's just something really lovely there. Thank you for sharing that. I know that a lot of people, you know, when they're faced with hardship like you were, when they're in a bad place, their first thought is to escape or to maybe indulge themselves or find the best medical professional they have. I think it's really telling that you went out and did something that took you away from yourself, that that took you into a place where other people were. Is this something that you would not maybe like, suggest for other people, but is this something that you would encourage other people to seek out and try? And is this something that you talk about in your book?
1: I definitely think that if you're going through a rough time or are in that place, I think service, of course, is a really powerful thing that can really change your life. And it's the same with traveling. And of course, if you could do both, that's probably like two birds with one stone. But I think it's not Of course, the only way, at least I can only speak to my experience. Like, part of the reason what drew me to do that was, like you said, I had tried all the medicinal stuff, but I realized that I hated my everyday life and I wanted to stop numbing it and I wanted to stop living for the weekend and, you know, my skin stuff. I could not escape the physical distress that was my everyday life. So I really had to start questioning the why and everything. Like, it really forced me to. And I think part of the reason that I seeked, to go off the beaten trail to Guatemala was because I felt like I needed something to nourish my soul that was so far from anything that I could understand, like just beyond my limits of perception. And I think when we do put ourselves in a position that is uncomfortable, that does challenge our worldview, it can, it can create a shift in us and it forces you to start thinking in different ways because it's our environment and you know, our environment kind of, they they say, your willpower is finite, but your environment can change everything Mm -hmm. so putting yourself in a physically different environment can kind of change your thoughts and that definitely worked for me like it was tough because I remember thinking like how good I had it too like I was a western kid you know I have a skin condition kids are in war-torn areas so like I remember thinking that but those thoughts didn't necessarily serve me either like they weren't making me feel better because I was still Really struggling myself. So, just thinking about how I had it better wasn't necessarily helping because I was really struggling. But then again, going and seeing it firsthand and being a part of some of that stuff was very powerful.
0: You use a lot of words that talk about transformation. And I'm so curious, what got you thinking about transformation? Do you have like a mentor, or were there, you'd mentioned some books and blogs earlier that you had read?
1: I am fascinated by transformation because. My own story, everything in my whole life has shifted when I finally took that leap of faith. And it's my inherent belief that when we take the first step, that is the hardest part. No one's ever fully ready. And that's what's fascinates me about transformation. Like when anyone starts on an entrepreneurial endeavor or changes their path or tries something new, it's impossible to know the outcome. You can envision it, but you it's like faith in taking that first step. So what fascinates me with transformation is witnessing my own I'm fascinated by how other people do it and I noticed that common thread where we all have the doubt and the fear and the inner struggle and the inner turmoil about that first step because we we fear uncertainty I just like delving into that and and kind of like going through the thought process because I think that one of the biggest things I learned when I was struggling to also just why I love writing you're never alone with what you're thinking and it feels like you can be I know I always sometimes I'm like am I the only one but like When you write and you can express that, like when you reach someone else, they go, oh, my gosh, it's not just me. I think that's powerful. So I try and share that because when I read that stuff, I'm like, yes, like it's not just me.
0: (laughs) Oh, I agree with that so much. And just for our listeners, how can people find your blog?
1: Yeah. So my name is Jake Heilbrunn and my last name is H-E-I-L-B-R-U-N-N. So jakeheilbrunn.com has my blog.
0: Perfect. And the name of your book is, once again?
1: The name of the book is Off the Beaten Trail, A Young Man's Soul-Searching Journey Through Central America.
0: Wonderful. Where can people find your book?
1: The book is available on Amazon. It's in Kindle and print version.
0: Did you self-publish, or did you go through a traditional publisher, or what avenue did you take there?
1: I did self-publish, and that was a choice, of course. Had I wanted to traditional publish, I don't even know if I would have been accepted, I realized that as an unknown 18, 19 year old kid, um, I didn't have a platform like I started from scratch, you know, trying to build my readership and following, you know, everyone has their different reasons. But I realized in my own case that I didn't have like a huge fan base to sell it to. And I heard the publishing companies don't like promote your stuff, really. So I was like, I'm going to self publish it. And when I made that decision, I was very excited because to see some of these other major authors self publishing, what gave me a lot of confidence. I recommend it because like how much I had to learn about myself and marketing and like this was my first real like entrepreneurial endeavor and I did a Kickstarter campaign so dealing with the shipping and the orders and distribution and it was just hectic but learning that was invaluable to me and I think had I just gone down traditional not how to worry about that stuff it would have saved me a lot of stress but like I'm grateful for what I learned in that process.
0: And you'll keep that stuff with you for the rest of your life as you continue to publish. Are you considering writing another book, a follow-up, or just something entirely different?
1: Yes, I have been thinking about my next book. And my book just came out two months ago. So I'm really trying to continue marketing that and going to do a lot more farmers markets in December and... I've even thought about going door to door because online stuff is so crowded. I'm like, maybe I should go old school. So I'm probably going to try some door to door stuff for two weeks and just experiment. But the next book I think will be something to the effect of what we talked about, that one change, like that Mm. leap of faith. And I'll probably want to interview a lot of people and like dissect it. I'm working on a little like, it's just like a 4,000 word. So like a long post thing. Um, It's on discovering your life purpose. And I kind of hate that term because and and I explain in it, I believe your life purpose is created. And mm-hmm. I kind of have my own theory on it with like these exercises. It's not gonna Oh, it might be a little ebook of sorts, probably like 30 page ebook. That will be available probably by January first.
0: Oh, absolutely wonderful. I can't wait to point people towards your website. I think you're going to help a lot of people or continue to help a lot of people as you go. Oh,
1: thank you. Yeah, I hope so too.
0: I want to be uh, respectful of your time. I know you're about to pack for Mexico and (laughs) go on something very exciting. One of the things that you sent to me said that you wrote 100,000 words in three months. Yes. Tell me about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And for all of your listeners, um, I have a blog post how I wrote 100,000 words in three months. So if this answer doesn't do it justice, feel free to go there. Well, I think first of all, like, and even today after the book, I almost had this like weird, oh my gosh, like I've been working towards something for so long and then it happened. And like, of course you have to market it. I was like almost empty because I've never in my whole life felt such a strong purpose to do something, to wake up. So I'd wake up every morning for three months and just like jump out of bed to write this thing. And I've never felt that for anything. So I feel like having that strong, like I felt like there was a force pulling me out of bed. I kind of had a process and I actually think this is a can be used not just for writing, but any long term goal. So the night before I would set my alarm, um, for 6am, I woke up at six. Like for me, the early morning was just kind of like where I had my optimal writing before I would go to bed though. I would imagine myself kind of writing like in the zone and I would prep myself for the morning. So when my alarm came off, I would literally like jump out of bed for me. Like I had it happen once where My alarm went off and I didn't kind of do that priming the night before. And I was like, oh, like maybe I'll sleep a little longer. But when I did that priming the night before, it's like you don't – you're just jumping out of bed. So that was like the first step. And then uh, I did a cold shower every morning, which for me just got me in the right mindset, kind of like, okay, like let's do one uncomfortable thing to wake me up and then I can do four hours of writing. (laughs) And then I would get a little meditation I did like 10 minutes guided meditation. I have Headspace now, but back then I just found like honest guys on YouTube as an account. And then I would uh, do a little gratitude journal. And for me, like having the mindset before writing was really important to get me in the right frame of mind. And then um, I get my coffee because of course I need my coffee. And then I would just start writing usually for about an hour To I had this Time. Have you heard of the song "Time" by Hans Zimmer? Mm-mm. It's in the song Inception. It's like that oh, song. Yeah, in yeah, 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 yeah. There's like a 10 hour mix on uh, YouTube. I've listened to that probably too many hours to be proud of. Like <laughs> in the hundred, I. It's embarrassing. But I would listen to that and just write, and then after about an hour, I would. That's kind of like my max. I would take a little break, did another hour, then I would go work out or do yoga, and do that process again. And really, for me, I found like four hours. I couldn't really do more than that to write what wasn't complete garbage, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, as I could elegantly put it. But yeah, that process for three months, just the consistency of that.
0: Cool. How many words were you averaging a day or did you not keep track of the word count during that time?
1: That's a good question. So the final was 106,000 words. Sunday, I would say the average a day was roughly 1,000. Whereas Sundays, though, I was. I remember a couple days where I hit like 2,000 plus and those were the days where I was just like feeling it on point. And then there were for sure days where maybe it's closer to six, 700. So I think it averaged, but I would say a thousand roughly.
0: Something that was interesting to me was you mentioned that you did gratitude journaling before you wrote every day. Can you tell me a little more about that?
1: Yes, I have my journal right oh, here. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. So every day I write five things I'm grateful for in the order. Like, you know, I do the cold shower, then my meditation. And then straight after meditation, and I do like a little visualization practice, I'll do gratitude. And for me, it's actually been huge. Like it's hard to measure the effect, but like, if there was a way to measure it in terms of like happiness, I feel like it could be huge because for me, it's just like focusing It makes you focus on the amazing things that you have in your life. And I feel like for whatever reason, like we're wired to like, think about what we don't have. (laughs) I feel like just, you know, that's just the way we are. So it makes me like focus on what I do have and I think that that shapes the rest of my day. So if something else goes wrong, I'm like, oh, but you know what? It like makes you look for what you do have, even beyond just that morning gratitude. So I found that that's been a huge practice for me that I've I've stuck with. The happiness advantage. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that mm-hmm. TED Talk? Mm-hmm. It's one of my potentially favorite of all time. I, I like like too many of those to, to give a number one. But he talks about five things that make you happier. He's a Harvard psychologist. So one of them, he said, write five things you're grateful for for 21 days. So I did it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to stop. So I I don't take credit for it. But I I could tell you, it's definitely done wonders for me.
0: That's amazing. I'm going to make sure that I link to that in your blog and your book and anything else that I should link to in the show notes for today's episode.
1: (laughs) There's a lot of blog articles there. So there'll be plenty of stuff to look at.
0: Wonderful. Well, I'm going to, Jake, I'm going to let you get back to your planning for Mexico slash packing for your Mexico trip. I'm going to wish you safe travels. Thank you for being on the show today. It's just been, it's been a delight to talk to you. I love your energy. I love your spirit. I love that you have dedicated your life to doing good things for people. That's amazing.
1: Thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate it. And I'm honored to be on the show. (laughs)